0: You are listening to A Bigger Life, a podcast by The Crossing on how to live into God's bigger story. Hi, welcome to A Bigger Life. I am Dave Kova. We're going to divide this podcast today into two sections, two downloads, so to speak. The first is going to be talking about the passage on the Lord's Prayer like we normally talk about the Bible verses that we cover. And then part two will be the actual prayer part so that you can come back to that. And if you want to pray at other times without having to go through the first part, it's easier to do. So this is one that you can have as a a sort of way to learn how to pray the Lord's Prayer in an expanded kind of way. I think the spirit behind which Jesus gave it and gives us a chance to connect with God by focusing on God and focusing on the things that God wants us to focus on when we pray, which is what the Lord's Prayer is. So when you think about the Lord's Prayer this way, when the most influential religious leader in all of world history was asked, how do you connect with God, he gave us the Lord's Prayer. Or another way to look at it, when God himself, the God that created this universe, became human in the person of Jesus, who was fully God and fully human, he, he gave us the Lord's Prayer and talking about the kind of prayer that God wants us to pray and the kind of prayer that he wants to answer. So the Lord's Prayer is, when, when we think about praying Scripture, the part of Scripture that we call the Lord's Prayer is like the number one ground zero place to go when it comes to praying Scripture. Now, Jesus spoke Aramaic, but Matthew wrote this in Greek. And unlike English, in English, we don't have a singular and plural for you. It's just all you, whether we mean you all or just you as an individual. We might say y'all if you're from the South. But in English, we have it in the first person. So we say I or me or my in the singular or we, our, us, if it's plural. But we just do you if it's singular or plural. But in the Greek that this was written in, There's either a plural or there's a singular for you. And this is kind of cool because in verse six, it's all singular. Jesus is talking as if it's just you and God. So Jesus says, when you pray, you go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret. And your father who sees in secret will reward you. What Jesus is saying here is that, You can call the God of the universe who created this entire universe your Father. And He wants you to come before Him knowing that He is 100% present with you, alone, in secret, in your closet, and you shut the door. It's just you and Him, and yet because He's infinite, he's He's not any less present anywhere else. But Jesus wants you to know it's just you and God. In a way, we can't understand God is infinite. We're not going to get all that. But that's the picture. That's the imagination that Jesus wants us to have when we pray. It's just me and God. It's just you and God. And then Jesus says in verse 9, pray then like this. And now he does our. He does it because we're part of a community and he's praying. He's, he's, we pray sometimes as a community, and not just by ourselves, but Jesus also says, this is for praying by yourself as well. So I change it to my father because that's, that's what Jesus is doing in verse six. But Jesus says, pray then like this, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts. Now Jesus says the word debts because he's speaking in Aramaic and in Aramaic the word for sin the idea was that it was a debt so that was the that was the word used for sins and so Matthew just remembers that Jesus said debts and so he uses the Greek word for debts if we look at the passage in Luke 11:2 through 4 where it is another version of the Lord's prayer it uses the word trespasses for for debts and so Jesus is talking about our sins because we know in verse in verse 14 he picks up and talks about forgiving other people of their sins and our being forgiven of our sins and how the two are related so they're related here jesus says we say forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors in other words as as i forgive those who've sinned against me and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil so this is really cool because jesus is saying that the very first words out of our mouth when we come before god are the words of intimacy, acceptance, closeness, that the God who created this universe and is present in a galaxy billions of light years away is also 100% present with you behind your shut door, just you and him, and he wants you to call him your father. There's something about that that when I really think about it, it really does something to my heart that makes me feel intimate with God, close to God, accepted by God. But then Jesus says, we say our father in heaven. And that's a transcendence. That's a mystery. That that God is our father in heaven, which says a lot about who he is, but it also says who we are. We're if he's our father, and he's in heaven, that means that we are children of heaven. I'm a child of heaven. I'm a citizen of heaven, Paul says in Philippians 3.20. So this is the kind of confidence Jesus wants me to have. He's my father. He's in heaven. Heaven is a realm. It's not a place. It's where God's presence is fully, and heaven left earth. We've talked about this in Genesis chapter 3, but it's going to return to earth when Jesus comes back. Heaven will be on earth. Heaven is God's realm, God's rule, God's presence perfectly, one you know, in, in full visible view. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. That word hallowed is an old English word, and it, it's just translating this Greek word that is kind of the verb of the word holy. It holied or sanctified be your name. Now we're not saying that you would be holy, God, because God is holy. But what we're, what we're praying is a kind of sense where we would bear God's name in holiness, that we would glorify Him, that His name would be high and lifted up and glorified, and that this sense of God's glory and splendor and beauty would fill our lives, our hearts, our minds, and that we would reflect that beauty and that glory and that goodness in our lives, that we would bear his name in holiness. Your kingdom come. The kingdom of God is what Jesus was preaching everywhere he went, and it says that he preached the gospel of the kingdom and healed all of their diseases in Matthew chapter 9, that Jesus' miracles are a picture of God's kingdom, where heaven returns to earth and he restores the earth and he restores this world materially and spiritually that's the kingdom of god where there is the perfect presence the perfect love without sin without evil without injustice without jealousy without pride it's a renewed creation and a renewed humanity that's the kingdom of god Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So this is a prayer that Jesus wants us to pray, that his kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is going to return to earth. Give us this day our daily bread. And so this is a chance now after we've prayed about our Father, the intimacy, the transcendence in heaven, hallowed be your name, His beauty, His splendor, His glory, His kingdom coming on earth as it is in heaven, His will being what we wrestle with. And then we pray for our daily bread. We get to pray for whatever we want to pray. So this is that part where Peter says to cast all our cares on Him because He cares for us. In other words, that means God cares about whatever you care about. So cast your cares on Him. And Paul says in Philippians 4 to cast all your anxieties. Don't be anxious about anything, but, but by prayer, make your request known to God. You cast all your anxieties, cast all your cares on Him. This is that part of praying for whatever you want. And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who've sinned against us. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Now, that's, it's really clear that we can't ask God for forgiveness and not be willing to forgive. But what I like about this prayer where we ask for forgiveness is that 2,000 years ago, Jesus knew when he gave me a prayer to pray to God, he knew that I was going to have to ask for forgiveness of sins every time I come before God. In a weird way, that comforts me, that my sin is not a surprise to him. He's got it baked right into the prayer, knowing that I'm going to come to God and the need for forgiveness and that God wants me to still pray. I, a lot of times Christians feel like they can't draw near to God because they feel a heavy guilt for their sin, a weight makes them feel like they're on the outside. Maybe you feel like you're on the outside and you can't come before God when you feel guilt over your sin. But Jesus is saying it's the opposite that he already knows you're going to sin. He already knows every sin you're going to commit. And yet he wants you to come before him in prayer and He wants you to call Him Father because you're on the inside, because Christ is in you and you're in Christ and 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 Jesus is in the Father, He says, and the Father is in Jesus. And because of that intimacy of oneness with Christ, we can call God Father and we can have our sins forgiven because Jesus says it is finished when He dies on the cross. He's taking our sin upon Himself, our punishment upon Himself, and so we... we we come before God saying, forgive us of our sins, not as if we haven't been forgiven, but because we have to remember our need for forgiveness. We're coming before God in a state of humility and need for his grace, need for his mercy, and just being honest with him about our sin. And we're, we're acknowledging our need to forgive others who've sinned against us as part of this prayer as well. And then he says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. What Jesus wants us to know is that that word but ties evil with every temptation. That temptation comes from evil and its desire is evil. Its desire is destruction. Its desire is to destroy what is good and what is loving and is to destroy life and to destroy what God loves. So Jesus wants us to see temptation for what it is and to pray for God's help in overcoming the evil one. So what I do when I pray this prayer is I use it as an expanded prayer. I use each section as a sort of meditative heading in order to guide my prayer. The goal is not just to get through it as if it's some kind of ritual. I'm not trying to pray the Lord's Prayer the purpose is meditation and prayer. So Jesus, in, in the Lord's Prayer, wants to put words in our mouth. He, he wants us to pray for the things that God wants us to pray for, but they're also the things that tune our hearts to be in harmony more and more with God, who created this entire universe and created us and knows what our needs are. And this prayer is what we need in order to experience God's intimacy and God's transcendence. And so because this prayer comes directly from Jesus, who is God, we know that these phrases are the kinds of phrases, the kinds of prayers that God wants us to pray and that he wants to answer.